Judges chapter 10. I believe it's 18 verses. We're going to get all of them in the next 28 minutes, believe you me. Read with me, though, the first five verses. It says, after Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim, and he judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamir. Stop right there, eyes up here. What in the world? Tola, the son of Dodo? Man, <laughs> brother of Pua or something like that? This guy's crazy. Did you know there's 10 different descriptive words given about Tola? Where he was born, who was his dad, who was his grandpa, how long he served, where he was born, where he died, where he was buried, all these things. 10 things about Tola, and we know nothing about him. Verses 1 and 2, it's so crazy. I'm going to do my best to teach on that. Look at the next two verses. It says, after him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. So now we have a combined total of 45 years with these two guys. And he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, who also had 30 towns, which are called Havor Jair, to this day, which is in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Cammon. More like, come on. Cam this guy had 30 sons that rode 30 donkeys and had 30 towns. If you had a donkey in those days, it was like having a Tesla. Okay, that's what, that, that's what it meant. It's like kind of that, you know, social status. So this guy had 30 kids that had 30 Teslas and they were in charge of 30 towns. That tells us he was prominent. He had some prosperity. And let me just kind of fast track and piece this together. Through the leadership of Tola and Jair, there was 45 years of peace and prosperity. Now, let me just ask your carnal nature a question. How many guys want peace and prosperity? Let's just, maybe even just your, your best nature. Peace and prosperity sounds great, doesn't it? I want you to see the next verse just so we can kind of go back and get some out of this. It says, then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, the Asheroths, the God of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Stop right there, eyes up here. What in the world? This is the seventh time in the book of Judges thus far that we see those words. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. This seems to be a repetitive you know, occurrence in the nature of the children of Israel, does it not? And I think we can all see it in our own nature from time to time, where God's given to us years of peace and prosperity, or maybe weeks and moments and, and events in our lives that are so good, and yet we find ourselves selling out to all the gods of this world, many Gs, many thrones, the gods of the Baals and the Astros. These were the gods of the intellect and weather and wealth, and the gods of sensuality and reproductivity and, and babies and all those things. And we find that these children of Israel said, let's just do it the way of the world. And yet God calls that idolatry, and he calls that adultery spiritually. And we see the children, we're going to learn from all this today, but let's back it up and look at Tola and Jair. Again, Tola, there's not much mentioned about who he is or what he did. As a matter of fact, there's no stories at all, but there's 10 different descriptive, maybe the writer's like, what should we say about Tola? I don't know, he didn't do anything. Let's just, where's he from? Well, he's from Issachar. Okay, put that down. Where'd he die? He's from Ephraim. Who's his dad? Pua and Dodo. You know, let's just write all these things. Now, I don't have the time to develop this. So we're gonna jump into the deep end of the pool. Put your masks on, put your snorkel on. Here's the deal. The word Tola means worm. 
and it's not mentioned in the scriptures very many times, only one other time outside of hereditary value, it's mentioned as the meaning of a worm in the book of Psalms chapter 22. And in Psalms 22, the psalmist is speaking prophetically, listen, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I don't have time to read Psalm 22. If you're a note taker, write it down. It's a prophetic psalm describing what Jesus would go through on the cross. And in Psalm 22, the psalmist said, I am a worm. Tola. I'm a Tola. I'm a worm. And I say that to say this. Let me just give you the principle that I'm trying to share with you. In the Old Testament, there are pictures and types and shadows of Jesus Christ throughout. Do you guys know that? In the Old Testament, the Old Testament speaks of Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Luke 24, when Jesus was risen from the dead, he was walking on the road there with his buddies. And the Bible says that Jesus began in the Moses and in the prophets and in all of the Old Testament, listen, showing them the scriptures that refer to him. Now, let me just give you a takeaway so you can leave with something today. When you're reading the Old Testament, look for Jesus. Look for him. He's in there. He's in there. He's in there. He's the rock in the wilderness that brings water and life. He's the shade by day and the fire by night. He's all these things. He's the bread of life. He's the manna every single morning. It's Jesus. Because once you start to look for Jesus in your life and Jesus everywhere you go, life becomes way more rewarding, interesting, and fulfilling. Check this out, though. Tola is an interesting worm. Have you guys ever done a Tola study? Who studied the Tola worm? Anybody? Any weirdos out there? We're all going to do it today. Julie's done it. Yeah, we're all going to do it today. The Tola worm is a red worm. It's a small little grubby worm. And what it does... its life cycles, it crawls up onto a tree, just like our Savior was pinned to a tree. And this Tola worm crawls up onto the side of a tree and then fastens itself to the tree, just like our Savior was fastened to the tree. Then this Tola worm, being red in nature, lays its eggs there right by itself, underneath itself, and it dies. And it leaves a stain on that tree, a red stain. Three days later, that red stain actually turns to white, and that tola kind of carcass or cocoon shell falls off and goes away, leaving some of the body, but it falls away, white as snow. And then when the larva, the little kiddos, are come to be born, they eat and consume the body that's left. Jesus said, eat of my body. If you don't eat of my body, you have no life in you. These little worms eat the life they're in. And they find themselves walking in newness in this Tola worm. It's so weird, such a weird thing. Well, Tola didn't do much in his life that we know of, but he had a really cool name, which I believe was a reference to Jesus in all of the things that he does in our life for us. Now, let me just make a few observations. Let's get out of the deep end because we don't have time to stay there very much longer. Two more rabbits we're going to chase that I don't even know are in here, but we're going to make, we're going to pretend they're in here. Okay. Two. He, what does he do with his life? It doesn't say, but we do know this. They had peace and prosperity. Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We're going to call Tola a quiet leader. Do you know any quiet leaders in your life? I would say the majority of leaders, moms, dads, coaches, leaders, are quiet leaders. They show up early. They stay late. They do the next right thing. They don't cause a lot of ruckus, not a lot of selfies. No stories are told of them. We have 46 presidents of our United States of America. I read through them all last night. I knew some of them, but the majority, I had no idea what they did. They were the president at one point. There were some that were more notable than others, and more selfies were taken, more stories were told. Let me just make this principle. If you're a quiet leader, nobody knows what you're doing, nobody, nobody cares what you're doing, your story's gonna be simply you were born, you lived, and then you died. Okay, if that's what God's called you to do, then do it and do it well. Raise your family, lead them well. Do the next right thing, okay? That's a positive note for Tola. I'm trying to extract some things here. Let me go ahead and flip the coin and go to the other side though. Tola led for 23 years and there's no stories told of this guy. In my character, I'm like, what the heck were you doing, bro? 
Quiet leaders, yeah, absolutely. But what if God called him to something more? Because we see there in verse six, everything falls apart after him and Jair's leadership. Maybe he should have been more aggressive. Maybe he should have done more. I would just submit to you this idea. Jesus, when he was teaching parables, said that he gives talents to people. Some get 10 and some five and some one. And then when he comes back, he's gonna say, what'd you do while I was gone? And you're gonna be judged, not based on your sins or failures. The Bible says if you're a Christian, when God returns, he's gonna judge you based on your effectivity and what you did for him. Did you take your talents and at least invest them into other people? And did you do something with your stuff? Days, dollars, and deeds will be weighed one day. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that there's going to be an award ceremony. And all the things we did for the Lord are going to be celebrated. And crowns are going to be given. And we're going to exchange the crowns. We're going to get a crown and throw it right back at the Lord. It's going to be sick. You know? You're going to want some crowns to throw that day. And so maybe it was that he blew it. I actually listened to many commentators teach this, and some said, Tola, what a good leader, man. Just stay the course. And other people said, dude, this guy totally blew it. So I'm just kind of giving you guys a smorgasbord of teaching today. Maybe a principle will jog something in you. We got the Tola type and all these other things. Let's look at Jair, though, because after him, verse 3, Jair, a Gileadite, he judged Israel 22 years, and he had 30 sons that had Teslas, and they had 30 donkeys and 30 towns. We don't know anything other about Jair than what's given to us. We do know, though, I'll speak positively, that he led his family well. The boys that he rose, he led them into being leaders in the community. He put a mantle of responsibility on them. And can I just say to moms and dads out there, your number one ministry is at home. Your number one opportunity and responsibility is to love your kids and grandkids, nieces and nephews. Sometimes people approach me and say, Luke, I want to be in the ministry. I want to serve more. I want to help more. And I'll just kind of look over their shoulder behind them at their home life and see how are things going at home. And if everything at home is out of order and things aren't right and there's conflict in the marriage and the kids are out of control, I'm thinking, well, the Bible specifically says if you don't rule your home well, how can you even hope to rule the house of God? And can I just encourage you moms and dads who are pouring into your kiddos right now or your grandbabies? or the men and women around you, or maybe you don't have kids and you're just volunteering at Young Life or Sunday School or youth group, do it. He was doing a good job, at least in this organizational value. Although I wonder where he got these 30 kids. Do you think he got them from one wife or do you think he had multiple wives? What do you think I think? Probably multiple wives. The guy was acting like a king even though he wasn't one. Probably had some issues in his life. Probably was spending money and maybe saw himself as a little more than he should be. And let me go ahead and give you another principle because we all love peace and we all love prosperity. But the thing that matters most, because that is not the end game. Listen up, folks. The end game for your life is not peace and prosperity and a lower mortgage and a lower interest rate, debts paid down, all your family organized. You know what the end game in life is? A relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, and character. See, we're going to see as soon as these guys pass off the scene that somehow, some way, for some reason, the children of Israel fell into great idolatry. Seven different godless nations are mentioned. It's like the children of Israel went cuckoo for cocoa puffs. They had no foundation. After 45 years of leadership, they did not know the Lord. They did not care about the Lord. The Bible says specifically they forsook the Lord and worshiped the Baals and the Ashtoreths and all these other things. Last night, we had a quinceañera here. How many of you guys ever been to a quinceañera? I'm not even saying it right. Quinceañera. A quinceañera is a celebration of a 15-year-old girl as she comes into her womanhood. We did that here at South Beach Church. That's why all the lights are decorated this way, and there's some eucalyptus in the back, and it was so cool to celebrate. It was cool because it was the only eight-hour-long birthday party I've ever been to. <laughs> eight hours. Celebrating. 
And one of the coolest things that happened, though, is we celebrated baby's birthday, baby Garrett. Uh, she turned 15 yesterday. So her family all came up to her and gave her gifts. And the first gift she was given was her own Bible. Here's your Bible. I'm sure she has many Bibles, but here's your, 50, here's your Bible. This is going to change your life. And here's some uh, bracelet that represents your relationship with God and some earrings that represent your relationship with God and a, a ring that represents your promise to wait for the one that God's chosen for you. And Carlos Villarreal, her uncle, when he shared, he said, here's the deal, baby, is we're praying for you, that as you walk with the Lord, that you listen to his voice and that you obey him and that you do whatever he says in your life because he loves you. And that's a relationship with God. I have three kids. They're sitting over here, maybe once at home. And, and, and my kids read the Bible every day. They, they pray. They go to a Christian school. They, they, they are being raised by Pastor Luke and their mom. It's kind of cool. But none of that guarantees godliness. None of that guarantees that they're going to have a relationship with God. Listen, and the same for you. You're at church today. Good job. Good job. I'm glad you're here. But you must hear the voice of the Lord. You must. He'll speak to you daily in his word, through his people, through his spirit, through his creation. This is what he's declared. And you might be walking in a measure of peace and prosperity. As a matter of fact, if you live in Lincoln County, you're American, right? you guys have some peace and prosperity. You might want to complain. You might have you know, some looking for the complaint box, but we have it good right now compared to the rest of the world. Don't let that goodness deceive you into thinking that everything's okay. May I not be deceived. People at church, you know how many pastors pray for people to come to their church. Lord, let people come to church today. Let people come to church today. We're praying, Lord, let people find parking today. Let people find parking today, you know. And I do not want to be deceived into thinking, oh, that's God's blessing. God's blessing is seen in a relationship with him and character for him. Children of Israel, I don't know what happened. There's no details given. There was some Teslas rolling around. Nothing wrong with the Tesla, by the way. If you drive a Tesla, good. Good job. Yeah, nothing wrong. But these guys had prosperity and wealth. We don't know. Let's keep studying, though, and see what happens next. This is one more story of the children of Israel walking into idolatry. And here's why it hurts my heart to teach this is because I've experienced this in my own life so many times, walking with the Lord now for 23, 24 years, where I'm walking good with the Lord. It's awesome. And then I find myself selling out on some measure or level. And I believe you would maybe have similar experiences in your own life. And so maybe you're in a season right now where you're walking with the Lord and everything's good. Good job, good job. But maybe you're in a season right now with, for whatever reason, you've compromised. You've gone the way of the world. I don't want to say it in a way that allows you to sin successfully, but it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to be swayed. It's easy to be tempted. It's easy to get off track. We see it in the Old and New Testament. You've probably experienced it in your own life. Listen, though, let's study it today and do the next right thing. It says this in verse 6. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Interesting that it says the sight of the Lord. Sometimes we think that nobody sees what we're doing. You ever, you ever hear that lie? Nobody knows what you're doing. It's all right. There'll be grace for your sin. God doesn't care. All these. Do you ever hear those lies, too? Just begin to set the alarm in your head. This isn't going to impact anybody else. This isn't going to really hurt. This isn't going to take you further, cost you more, keep you longer. You know, just start to tell yourself, no, no, this is going to hurt. It hurts my heart when it says it right there. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. It goes on to say they served these wild gods. Look at verse, uh, at the very end of verse six, it says they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Interesting dichotomy here. As believers, sometimes we think we're serving the Lord and we're loving him, and we can also serve the world. Jesus said it this way. You can't have two masters. 
It's one or the other. You can't have two masters. And oftentimes we'll find ourselves getting our hands slapped because we've gone out of bounds, finding ourselves not able to serve both God and our flesh or the carnal world. This is a lesson we're all learning. Look at verse 7. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. What does it mean he sold them? Essentially, the Lord has purchased you. He owns you. He's given himself over for you. But if you try and wiggle out of his hands, if you try and go shack up with something or someone else, if you go away, the Lord will, because he's a gracious God and a gentleman, he'll woo you, he'll love you, he'll convict you. By the way, he'll always be open to you and for you, but he'll also let you be bought by other things. He'll give you over to the ways of your flesh. He he will. This should scare you. I was going to say something else. This should scare you. I hope it freaks you out. Because sometimes I'm like, well, the Lord will never let me go. You know, it's like, and the Lord, hey, he'll, the Lord is gracious and patient. The book of Genesis in chapter six says that the spirit of the Lord will, listen, will not strive with man forever. You have a conscience. Your conscience is God given. It should be sensitive. You should be impacted when you sin or when you're struggling. You should be convicted. But if you continue to ignore your conscience, it'll become easier and easier to do silly things. And eventually your conscience will become desensitized. Eventually it will become seared. Have you ever seen somebody just doing the craziest things in the world? Like you're like, how how did they get there? Their conscience has been turned off. They have no idea of what's right and wrong. They're confused. Don't become that person. Please repent even today. Well, it says God gave them over to the Philistines. Look at verse 8. And from that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan, in the land of the Amorites, and in Gilead. Stop right there, eyes up here. From that year and for the next 18 years, not just did they get in trouble, but everyone else on the other side of the Jordan. Because your sin can't be contained. You can't keep control of a wildfire. Well, I'm just going to hope, hope it doesn't bother my spouse or my kids or my community or my church. And it bothers everybody. This is the insidious nature of sin. It's kind of like peeing in a pool. That idea just popped into my head. I don't even, I was like, I was like, and I thought, I was like, should I say that? Should I say that? And I said it. Anyways, moving on. Notice it says that from that time on, they were harassed. That word means shattered, destroyed. This is again what sin does. And they were oppressed. Anytime there's oppression spiritually or through our workings outwardly, did you know it leads to depression? I just need to connect that dot. Depression is common in our days. We find ourselves depressed. Usually there's some sort of paper trail that has gotten in between my understanding of who God is and who I am. There's a disconnect. I'm more focused on the things here. Maybe I'm working things out in my flesh in the way I shouldn't be, and it will lead to depression. But when you focus on the Lord, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, he who keeps his mind stayed on you will be kept in perfect what? Peace. Is there any greater commodity in peace, inter- internally. Did you know people can be rich and wealthy and have everything, no peace? And people can be poor and impoverished and destitute and have amazing peace. Well, sin will take that peace away from you. It will lead to oppression, harassment, depression. Look at verse nine. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim so that 
Israel was severely distressed. We see now the crossing, this Jordanic, transjordanic crossing over, and now there's more oppression and more distressing happening on, because again, this is the nature of sin. Look at verse 10. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. Notice they've repented of both things. Now we stopped worshiping. We stopped showing up. We stopped caring. We stopped devoting. We stopped loving God, and we also started serving the ways of the world. That's just what we did. It's usually both and. Can I just say this? This is why it's imperative that you keep coming to church in order to position and present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Why you should get up every morning and go through the five-by-five reading program and get in God's word and get God's word into you. Why you should be part of a life group or a Forest More Bible study or volunteer to serve somewhere because if you stop, listen, serving the Lord and worshiping him, it's only a matter of time until you sell out and start serving the things of this world. I don't even know which one comes first. Serving the things of this world will lead to then stopping serving the Lord, or is it stopping serving the Lord that leads to then serving the things of this world? I think it might be different every time, but the two will be connected. Look at verse 11. They are crying out and repenting. Oh, this is going to hurt. You guys ready for this? It says, so the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, from the Ammon, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, also the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Maonites, who are cousins of the Mustardites, they oppressed you and you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hands. Stop right there, eyes up here. They have given themselves over to seven different godless nations. We saw that in verse six. And here in this verse, the Lord's like, do you remember when I delivered you from these seven nations? And he just kind of reminds them. They're asking for help now. Lord, I'm, I'm oppressed. I'm shattered. I'm crushed. Help me. And the Lord's like, I've been helping you your whole life. I have. Every single time you've asked me, I've helped you, which is great news, isn't it? Listen to what the Lord says to this group then, though, in the Old Testament. He says, yet you have forsaken me, verse 13, and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you've chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. End of sentence. Holy smokes. This is a rare occurrence, isn't it, when you're reading the scriptures and trying to find grace and mercy. And in the New Testament, the writer to the Hebrews says, if you need help in your time of need, come boldly into the throne room of God to, to obtain it. This is the invitation we now have in the New Covenant, New Testament through Jesus and what he's done for you and for me. And yet what I believe the Lord wants us to learn in the book of Judges is the insidious nature, listen, the insidious nature and offense that sin brings to our Father in heaven. Because you and I can all handle just a little bit of sin, can't we? Just a little bit. A little bit of carnality, a little bit of worldliness, a little bit of ungodliness. We all can handle a little bit. But I think the Lord wants us to see, what would you do if I was right here in the sight of the Lord? Luke, if I was right there in the room, like I am, would that encourage you to stake the course? Would that encourage you to get right? And the Lord here is showing this nature where he's deeply offended. He's hurt. And what he says is, you know what I want you to do? Go cry out to the ways of the world. See if they deliver you. Go back to that substance abuse. Go back to the drugs and alcohol. Go, go ahead. See if that helps you. Go back to the pleasure. Go back to your senses. Go back to the things of the world. Go ahead and just see if that brings you exactly where you want to go. And if you've been walking with the Lord in this world for any measure of time, you've come to realize that stuff has no life at all. Only poverty. The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He doesn't negotiate with you. He doesn't fulfill a little bit of your fantasies and your needs and, and care for you. None of that. 
And I believe the Lord wants us to understand that because he has given himself over to us to do all of those things. How offensive that the Lord would give himself over and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and we would go right past him and love sinful things. We're a very grace-based church here at Southeast Church. I need grace. You guys need grace? I need so much grace. And yet I also need the truth. I need the truth to get my attention, to help me to keep going. And so the Lord here says, cry out to the stuff that you've given yourself over to and see how that works. Please listen, it gets better for just a minute here. Here's what the children of Israel respond and this needs to be our response this morning. Verse 15, and the children of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned, exclamation point. Repentance, just call it what it is. Don't call it anything else. Call it what it is. We're so good at minimizing and explaining and labeling, categorizing. Well, I'm Irish, you know. Or we have excuses for, I was dropped on my head as a kid. Whatever your excuse is. You know what they say? We have sinned. And that's where it begins, repentance. Right? There's four, four things you're going to do today in the, for the rest of your life. If you find yourself walking in disunity with the Lord and instead with the ways of the world, just call it what it is. Because by the way, when you label it and call it what it is, sin, the Lord can come in and then deal with it. You ever been to a doctor before and they give you a misdiagnosis? You're like, call it something else. I don't like that word. It's a scary word, you know. No, no. You want to know exactly what it is and what medicine will get me healed. You don't want a doctor guessing or pretending or lying to you. God's grace is so good. He loves you. And he says, bring it to the light. Bring it to the light. Trust me. I got medicine for you. Well, listen to this. It says, the children of Israel, we have sinned. And then they submitted. Look at verse 15 in the middle. It says, do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. Whoa. I love these guys. You know why? They're all messed up. They say we sin, and then they submit. They're in trouble. Things aren't going well. Things are going bad. And they say, Lord, we just want you to do whatever. And this isn't because, listen, they trust their own submission. I don't even trust my own confession of submission. I'm a squirrely little guy. So are you. And I'll search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. You know what I do trust, though? The character and kindness and mercy of God. And this is what they're submitting themselves to. Hey, let's just go to the Lord. He will forgive us. Lord, whatever you want to do. Whatever. Do you know that about the Lord? The Lord loves you. He wants you. He says, just submit yourself to me. They didn't stop there with repentance and submission. Look at what they did next. In verse 16, this work gets good. So they put away the foreign gods from among them. Stop right there, eyes appear. Put away doesn't mean to put in the drawer for later. <laughs> hey, put that stuff away. God's coming over, you know? It doesn't mean that. <laughs> it literally means to turn away from or to destroy. They got rid of it. They deleted the app. They broke up with that person. They moved out of that house. They quit that job. They moved from that community. They said, no, we're not doing it. And they burned their idols and they got rid of those things. Jesus said it this way. He said, if your right hand, that's my left, causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, deal with it. Get serious about the issues in your life. Don't dabble in sin. Do what you gotta do. These guys repented and submitted. What if they just did that and just didn't do anything else? 
They put away their idols. Listen, here's where it gets even better. I'm going to Pastor Toby come up, and he's going to lead us in response time. We're going to sing today, and we're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to give people opportunity to come to the altar and get prayed for. You don't have to confess anything to me, but you need to do business with the Lord as we study through Judges chapter 10. Look at what it says in verse 16. They put away the foreign gods from among them, and they serve the Lord. Stop right there, eyes up here. Do you ever think about serving the Lord? What does that mean to them? This is like thousands and thousands of, of Israelites, hundreds of thousands. They can't all do Sunday school. They can't all do parking lot ministry. They can't all be teachers. You know what it means to serve the Lord? In those days, they would bring offerings. It was a very specific personal relationship. You're doing it this morning by coming to church, by the way. You've made a right decision today. I'm going to worship God. This is why we worship. We serve him. We serve him in our days, dollars, and deeds, Monday through Saturday, especially on Sunday, all the days and opportunities in between. Do you see yourself as a servant of the Most High God? It'll change everything for you. I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord. I don't want to serve the ways of the world around me. Repent, submit, get rid of the stuff in your life. Wouldn't it be fun today to delete a bunch of stuff off your phone? Wouldn't that be fun today? Wouldn't it be fun to look at the inventory of your life and say, where am I going? Why am I doing this? This is only going to lead. They did it for 18 years, by the way. After Jair and Tola, that year and every year for 18 years, they acted like idiots until they finally got to the end of themselves. Why did they wait 18 years? I waited sometimes. Don't wait. This is what it says next, guys. Let's finish the story because look at what God says. I've got this one highlighted. The only, only portion of the scripture in, verse, in chapter 10 I've highlighted is this. And his soul, that's God's, could no longer endure the misery of Israel. The Lord sees your struggle. You know that? I hope you hate your struggle. I hate my struggles. I got struggles. I struggle with the world. I struggle with my flesh. I hate them. And the Lord hates them. But did you know that the Lord loves you? And he sees the battle. And he sees you fighting. And he sees the things going on. He says, hey, I'm just like Tola. I'm the worm. I gave myself over to you. I fastened myself to the tree for you in order that you could be set free. I've given my body for you. Take and eat of my body given for you. I love you. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. It says, then the people of Ammon, actually, I'm not going to read these next two verses. They're going to go with next week. The Lord loves you. Would you guys all stand with me? Here's what we're going to do now. I don't know where you're at. Maybe there's some people here this morning they would say, you know what I need? I don't need just a sermon. I don't need to check in and check out. I don't need just to be encouraged. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need more of the Lord. I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes because I want everyone to be able to respond to this. If you're here this morning and you just need the Lord and you need to repent, you need to submit, you need to put away your idols, and you need to serve the Lord, if that's you this morning, nobody's looking. Would you just right now, just by, by way of confession and submission to the Lord, raise up both your hands. Just say, yes, Lord, by raising both your hands. Yes, Lord, this is me. I need this in my life. I don't want to be a worldly Christian. I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to be duplicitous and double-minded and unstable in all my ways. I want to be searched, Lord. My hands are up too. I repent of my sins. I repent of my compromises. Repent of my carnality in Jesus' name. Lord, would you take me as I am? I submit to you and I repent of my sin. And I need you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you save us again today? Would you fight for us? 
Would you become weary, Lord, of the misery that we're walking in in Jesus' name and do a mighty work? You can put your hands down. And I want to give opportunity. If you just need that extra touch from the Lord, would you come down the aisles right now to the altar? Just come to the stage right now. Get out of your chair. Walk down here. If your heart's beating right now, you're like, man, I could use some of that. That's you. Don't ignore the Lord calling you. He sees you individually and personally and loves you. And he wants to break every chain in your life right now. If there's any chains, anything holding you back, anything hindering you in your walk with the Lord right now, then just get out of your chair. If you know there's an obstacle, if you know there's a battle, the ways of the world, maybe even sevenfold things of the world are after you, and you need the Lord's deliverance. Would you come forward right now? Holy Spirit, would you just minister to us in this time? Fight our battles, forgive us of our sins, receive us as we are, and do a mighty work. And as we're singing, if you need that prayer, you need that touch, come on down. We're going to sing together right now this song.